Uh, welcome. Thanks. We're in a series called Breathing Room uh, from last week, in case you weren't here, because a few of you weren't. Uh, and here's the catch-up for you. Uh, breathing Room, we've defined that as a space that lives between our current pace and our limits. And why is that called Breathing Room? And I like to think of a long-distance runner, because I wish I was one. Uh, <laughs> they're breathing at their pace, uh, which is a maintainable pace. It's doable, it's achievable. And the room between their pace and their limit, which is when your wife says sprint, uh, is called breathing room. And a good way to kind of identify what that breathing room is and, and how that feels is if we kind of all just take a big kind of collective breath in and then out. That's kind of that, that breathing room, it's space, it's like a piece. And this concept has applications in many areas of our life. Last week, Grant talked about time and breathing room. And this week, uh, I have drawn the unenviable short straw of preaching where I get to talk about money. And next week, Barry will talk about relationships and breathing room. So today, here's some good news for you. If you haven't been to church for a while, uh, we don't want anything from you. This isn't an ask for you with regards to money. However, we do want something for you. Last week, we said that our time is limited and therefore we have to limit what we do with our time. That came up when we're talking about creating a breathing room in our schedule. So we had time. Some, for some of us, that meant that we cut time on some things and some, some of us, that meant that we identified we had time and we could give more. And money is similar. But it's different in this way. Your money is limited, but you don't have to limit what you do with your money. I'll say it again for like dramatic effect. Money is limited, but you don't have to limit what you do with your money. Do you know why? You can't borrow time. You can borrow money. Okay, and in borrowing money and not being careful about how we manage that money, before long, financially, our worlds begin to look a bit like this. Now that's just a messy kitchen and it's okay for your kitchen to look like that. But it's not okay for your fun. You don't even enjoy the things that you do have without ever meaning to, without ever wanting to, our desire to get the most out of life, live too close to the limit, we often lose control of our financial life and suffer financial pressure. And so for the next few minutes, we're gonna talk about creating that breathing room financially. And I will say straight up that some of us might find that very challenging. Now, one of the great things about this talk is if you're not a Christian or you don't know, you don't have to be a Christian to understand or benefit from what I'm talking about today. It's a bit of kind of barefoot investor meets Marie Kondo. But if you do identify as a Christian, a Jesus follower, someone who follows the teaching of the Christ, creating financial breathing room may not be optional. Because as we're about to see, that there is a relationship between your ability to follow Christ, or to use a Jesus term, Jesus being kind of the Lord of your life, and your willingness to get your financial house in order. I might add, this has nothing to do with giving. It has everything to do with breathing room, because of about what Jesus said about finances. At this point, I'll just, just mention something briefly about giving. There is a certain chicken chain that may be red, and uh, at the end of those shifts, the staff are allowed to take home the leftover chicken. And you can imagine 
what that chicken tastes like after being in a kind of Bay Marie for about 10 hours. And if the staff don't take that chicken home, it goes straight in the bin. And so essentially, that organisation, <laughs> maybe red, may not be, chicken shop, uh, is saying that their staff will be generous to you, but just before it goes to the bin. Okay, That's kind of leftover giving. God doesn't want that type of giving from us. Okay, He wants the first fruits. And there's been many talks about first fruits and why it's important to give the first, not the leftover bit. Now let's start with something that no one ever tells you. Um, you probably know it. Um, inherently, and if I point it out like this, um, you'll probably identify this, but there's a big difference between standard of living and quality of life. Now this is huge, because every single day, you and I are told that these two things, laser pointer, are the same, okay? We're told these are the same. If I increase my standard of living, I will definitely increase my quality of life. However, I can tell you that standard of living is not equal to quality of life, and this standard of living equals quality of life is definitely, absolutely not true. Some of you are not enjoying the quality of your life, and you have a higher standard of living than you've ever had before. You have more stuff than you've ever had before, but you're not enjoying it. You know why? There's a difference between quality of life and standard of living. And you know why? You can raise your standard of living with debt, but you raise your quality of life with discipline. Okay? And we like debt more than discipline. When it comes to time, we have to limit what we do with our time because, but with money, we don't have to limit what we do with our money because of debt and our lack of discipline. It's pretty quiet here now. <laughs> now, if there is a God and God knows your name, and even if God cares anything about you, which one would you guess if he loves you, if God loves you, he's more concerned about your standard of living or your quality of life. Last week, Grant talked about God being from everlasting to everlasting. You're here for a, a second. What could you possibly do for God? If you ever think that God's better off with you, your God is small. He lives in your back pocket. It's like you get God to stay over there and if you need him, you'll give him a call. Importantly, that God doesn't exist. God is from everlasting to everlasting. How can he benefit from you? He can't, but he loves you. God loves you. And he's more interested in your quality of life. Let me put it this way. If you're married, what would you prefer? An awesome marriage or a horrible marriage with cool cars? That's why margin or breathing room financially is so huge. And so this is where we're going with it. Creating breathing room may lower your standard of living, but raise your quality of life. But I'm Australian. I aspire to raise my standard of living. Standard of living needs to go up over time. Creating breathing room may lower your standard of living, but raise your quality of life. And at some point along the way, your quality of life is going to become more important to you than your standard of living. Some of you have and make more money than you ever have had. But you have no peace 
because you fell for a lie. If you raise your standard of living, you don't raise your quality of life. If you're not a Christian, this is fantastic self-help. This is Barefoot Investor 101, motivational talk to get you the best out of life. However, if you're Christian, just emphasise to pay attention here. The Bible seems to suggest that you cannot be a follower of Jesus and not get this right. Any questions? (laughs) Thought not. (laughs) Here are a few things I know about you. One, you are living on a percentage of your income and you don't know what it is. Kaylee and I did some pre-marital kind of courses and things like that, and one of the things they get you to do is a budget, and essentially that budget is the budget that you do on that night and you throw away and you never use ever again. However, the most helpful thing they could have said was you're going to live on a percentage of your income, why not pick one? If you don't pick one, culture and people around you will pick one for you. If you don't pick one, a car dealership will pick one for you, or a real estate agent, or an Instagram post, or a flash sale. If you had a little bit more, you'd be fine. (laughs) Why is that? Could it be because we never chose a percentage of our income to live off, and we have allowed a lifestyle to stay in sync with our income? And the last thing's huge, which is you felt the same way when you made a lot less money. That is called marginless, breathing room free living. And the interesting thing about that is it will never change, no matter how much money you make until you make some big changes. Now some of us are visual learners and we're a bit kind of scientific, so here's a chart. Uh, Here we have money, time, your spending and your income. This is what we'd like it to look like. This is what we wouldn't like it to look like. (laughs) If your income and spending track each other, you've got no breathing room there. Now, to be a sincere follower of uh, Jesus, we really do have to get this right. The New Testament is kind of full of a lot of phrases about one another. And... um, we help one another, share one another's burdens, lift one another, up, uh, one another up in prayer. And where do you think the one another bit happens? Uh, I'm kind of arguing it happens in this breathing room area, okay? If you've got no margin, no breathing room, how can you one another? How can you be generous? Generosity leads to generosity. And if you've been away on holidays with other people in a share house, you've lived out this principle. It sets the tone for the whole week. The first shop. If someone goes away and does a first shop when you're away with friends on holidays and they come back and they get the docket out and they start highlighting everything and dividing it by eight and telling everyone that they've got to chip in $35 for the shopping that they've just done for everybody, even though the stuff they bought is really for them. Um, you know, it's not very generous. It sets the tone for the whole week. However, if they come back and they don't say the docket, they say, how about you just, just get the next one? It sets the tone for the whole week that generosity, everyone goes shopping and they seem to outdo each other. Generosity leads to generosity. We reap what we sow. We sow sparingly, reap sparingly. We sow deeply, we're going to reap bountifully. My point is we can't do much if, we're on, if our spending and our income are matching each other. You don't feel like being terribly generous if you don't have enough. Now, to be a sincere follower of Jesus, I really think we have to get this right. 
when you open up the New Testament, there are many accounts written by Jesus and money. Um, he says a lot about the, the subject. Now, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus drew a conclusion at the end of a parable. Um, the parable, which was about the shrewd manager, which is in Luke 16, it's definitely worth a read, but um, I'm not going to go into the actual parable itself. Um, it's probably one parable that's pretty easy to understand of Jesus' stuff. He's kind of like a manager who's shrewd. He doesn't kind of praise him's kind of moral ability being excellent with money, but he praises him for being shrewd. Um, now, if you just look at the end of this here, um, the New Testament says that you can't serve both God and money. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And really, at the end of the day, if you follow Christ, if money is your master, you'll find yourself so enslaved financially, you can't do what Jesus says you should do financially. If you find yourself in the situation where money is saying you can't do this or you can't have that or you can't send your kid to that school or don't look over there and God says this is how you should live your life, be generous and this is how I want you to love your family. Jesus is essentially saying that if you find yourself in that situation, it won't be uncommon that you find yourself in that situation. You'll find yourself torn between your devotion to God and your devotion to stuff and here's the kicker in the last sentence you cannot serve both God and money so really at the end of the day we have to choose one so much tension so much worry I think that God is saying I don't want you to be driven by standard of living I want you to be driven by quality of life and so what are we going to do about all this so I am listing some steps however you're super smart so you probably already know the steps First thing, let's decide that we want to create some breathing room financially. From the generosity of the gospel, let's be generous to others. In deciding that, let's set a breathing room goal. The breathing room goal is how much are you going to have left over? How much are you going to live off? Less than your income. And you can't do that unless you're monitoring your money. Uh, so there's a million apps out there that you can download onto your smartphone or you can use an old-fashioned piece of paper. You need to see where all your money's going. What's going out? What's going in? And then we've got to take step four, which is cut spending. Or if you're in America, you can raise your debt ceiling. No, I'm kidding, about the last bit. Uh, you've got to cut spending. <laughs> or get a better job. No, no. Uh, we're cutting spending here, okay? Just remember that I want is better than I owe. I want a new pair of shoes is better than I owe money on a new pair of shoes. I want a new car is better than I owe money on a new car. I want is better than I owe. And I think that we know that the chief competitor to our heart, our generosity, our loving others, our one anothering, to use a New Testament term, the chief competitor is stuff. And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, knew that. And so that's why we're trying to tell you, or I'm trying to say, life is better with breathing room. And creating that breathing room may lower your standard of living, but it will raise your quality of life. Life is better with breathing room. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for your great generosity to us. Uh, may we look at our finances over the coming months and uh, identify some breathing room that we can take, that we can uh, live abundantly in that space of breathing room that you show us through this passage in Luke.